Hello and welcome to the Soulful Valley podcast, now globally ranked and listened to in more than 30 countries worldwide. If you're a regular listener, thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. If you're new here and don't know me yet, I'm your host, Katie Carey, a disabled entrepreneur, independent publisher of books that matter, and an international best-selling author, and of course, the host of this globally ranked podcast. I help metaphysical coaches and healers gain confidence, clarity, raise their visibility and their credibility, giving them the opportunity to shine their light brighter so that the people they are here to serve can find them. I do this by creating opportunities for them to become best-selling authors in my multi-author and solo book projects. I also offer one-to-one mentorship services to help spiritual business owners find and unlock their limiting beliefs. In this podcast, I'll be sharing wisdom from myself, coaches, authors and energy healers that could be just what you need to transform your life today. You can connect with me via the Contact Katie button at my website at www.soulfulvalley.com. We have two multi-author book collaborations launching in the spring. Entangled No More women who broke free from toxic relationships building their own empires, and the second book in the series, Evolving on Purpose, Co-Creating with the Divine. If you're a holistic coach or healer and would love to become a best-selling author this spring, come over and connect with me at soulfulvalley.com for details on how to apply. Jerry Lewis has said that Alan Klein is a noble and vital force watching over the human condition. Klein, also known as Mr. Jollytologist and the Ambassador of Light, shows audiences worldwide how to use humour and positivity to deal with life's not-so-funny stuff. He is an award-winning professional speaker, a TEDx presenter and an author of 30-plus books, including The Healing Power of Humour, You Can't Ruin My Day, and Embracing Life After Loss. His latest book, The Awe Factor, How a Little Bit of Wonder Can Make a Difference in Your Life, was named by spiritualityandpractice.com as one of the best spiritual books of 2020. Hello and welcome to the Soulful Valley podcast, Alan. Hi, good morning. (laughs) Well, for me, it's morning. I don't know what time this will be posted or when people will watch it, but good morning. And I always have a little morning ritual to wake me up. It's my... (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It gets me uh, laughing, you know, to start the day, but you can use it any time of day. Uh, Look in the mirror and I think it might help. And for anyone who can't see the video... And I just listening to the podcast, Alan just placed a great big red nose on his nose just to brighten my day. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, it's great to have you here. I I read, well, I listened to your audiobook a couple of weeks ago. I spent a whole weekend listening to it. It was absolutely beautiful. It was just what I needed. <laughs> so for our audience, you. can you share a bit about you, Alan, and what it is that you do? Well, Do we have about four hours? 
<laughs> to share. <laughs> um, where do I start? Actually, what I, I call myself a jolly tologist because I actually have a master's degree in human, H-U-M-A-N development. And my thesis was on the healing power of humor, H-U-M-O-R. You spell it in uh, where you are a little differently, but it uh, means the same thing, laughter, humor. And I got into that out of what some people would say was a tragedy. And my wife passed away when she was 34. And we had a great relationship and we always laughed together. And then we found out she had this illness and died at, uh, first knew about it when she was 31 and she died as they said at 34 and after she died i gave up a business i had i went back to school to learn about therapeutic humor and i started to write and teach about it and my first book became the healing power of humor which is still in print and um I just start teaching people how to use humor to deal with the not so funny stuff in their life. So I continued to do that for many, many years. And I realized humor is part of the positive attitude psychology. And so I started to write more books and, and broadened out to more positive thinking. One book is You Can't Ruin My Day. And then my latest book is The Awe, A-W-E, for the folks that are watching, A-W-E Factor, showing people how to get more awe and wonder in their life because of the new research is finding that if, if we can get more awe in, in our life, we are much happier and healthier. So that in 150 words or less is <laughs> <laughs> who I am and what I do right now. Thank you, Ellen. And I was I listened to the All Factor on Audible a couple of weeks ago, and I have to say it was a beautiful weekend listening to that book, and it reminded me of all of the all that is in my life and all of the even all of the little things. But it also made me laugh because when I first started this podcast, I realised after the first few episodes that I was saying awesome an awful lot, and you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had to write down a few different words. I thought, I can't keep saying this, although I felt it. Uh, <laughs> it, it was an over, overly used word. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, um, and, and the other interesting thing about that word, it's also awful which is kind of full of awe, but it means totally, the totally opposite. the opposite. So it's kind of a strange word. And, you know, when I was doing the research, and you probably heard this if you listen to the book, but it's, uh, I found many different definitions of awe. Like scientists say, researchers say, you know, awe is when something overwhelms us, basically that like the Grand Canyon here in the States or Niagara Falls or something that's so vast that we lose our sense of ourselves or we even realize we get a greater sense of ourselves sometimes when we realize how small we are in the world. Yeah. You know, you look up this night, clear night sky and you realize, God, you know, it's just the universe is tremendous, uh, enormous, and and how small we are in it. So that that's one definition. The other definition 
is uh, the dictionary. One of the dictionary definitions is that awe is the uh, reverence for fear and wonder. And when I read that, I thought fear, I don't associate fear with, with uh, awe and wonder. And yet then I realized when I was a kid and the lightning thunder would happen, mm. I would run under the blanket, you know, or I would get a flashlight and I would sit on the toilet because <laughs> all the lights were out. And my father uh, was an air raid and my during the war, my father ran out of the house because he was an air raid warden. And I was really scared as a little kid, mm. uh, but it was the lightning and thunder that kind of, and yet I was awed by it because the light, you know, the loud noise, you know, the, the jaggedy lightning bolt was kind of amazing and awesome. And then I have my own, Katie, much simpler definition. I made an acronym out of the word awe. So A-W-E, I defined as a wow experience, right? Anytime you go, wow. Or uh, you get goosebumps, you know, or you go, oh, my God. Probably you're experiencing some awe in your life. And, and I do that every time I, I see, even though I see synchronicities quite a lot, I still feel the same awe as though it's magical and it's quite unbelievable. But it happens all the time these days. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so, well, you know, you, you just brought up a point researchers have found if you had an awe experience and say you took a photo of that, if you keep that photo around, the next time you look at that photo, you're going to get some of those awe feelings back again. So you don't even need to have the experience. Uh, it's not as great, but you still get some awe moments from that photo. So keep photos, things that awe you around to lift your spirits. And I know I feel like that every time I spot the moon in the sky after she's been dark mm. a little while. <laughs> I still get that feeling. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So, so you've been through some, some pretty difficult times before you found that humor could be so healing. So do you have any tips or, or a bit of advice for our listeners that might have been through something really difficult that haven't managed to find the humor in their lives? Right. I'm not saying it's easy. It's a very difficult time in my life. And the, yes, there were lots of tears. But what I found was that the humor was very healing. And then I felt the tears really brought me down and the laughter lifted me up. It also gave me a perspective, you know, because you see things differently when you're able to laugh. I don't think I told you the experience I had with my wife in the hospital. She had a copy of Playgirl magazine with the male nude centerfold. And she said, Alan, I really like this uh, hunky man this month. Can you put it up on the wall by the bed over there? And I said, Ellen, this is a hospital. <laughs> it's a li little risque for that. And she said, well, maybe you're right. She said, why don't you hang, you know, get a leaf and cover up that part. <laughs> and I did that. And Katie, things are fine for the first day, fine for the second day. But by the third day, the leaves start shriveling up. And we would look at that. Even when we came home, we would look at a leaf or a plant and we would start to laugh. And it wasn't a lot of laughter, it was five or 10 seconds, but it lifted us up for the moment, gave us a reprieve, gave us that perspective uh, from the laughter. 
So you asked about things people can do, you know, in, in not so funny times, in difficult times. One is what I try to do, particularly after my wife died, was look at the more positive things in my life. Yes, she died, but I still had a great daughter, a 10-year-old daughter. I still had a house to live in. I had work. I had a job. I had money coming in. I had food on the table. I had great friends. I was living in a wonderful city that I wanted to be in. So I started to do this list. You know, I had sunshine coming out some days. I looked at the moon, you know, just things that would lift me up. Things realize, you know, I once had a great teacher who said, to want what you don't have is to waste what you do have. I love that. To Uh, want what you do have is to waste. So yes, you may have lost someone. You may be going through difficult times. Can you put that in the background for a little bit to focus on things you still have? Because a lot of people as well ruin what they've got when they're so stuck in the past. I mean, that's happened in, in my relationships as well. So when you're so focused on what's happened in the past and you can't be in the present, you, you get stuck in a cycle of misery, really, don't you? So it's really, really important to, to be in the now and be really grateful right. for what is here and now and right. the potential yeah. of that. And to realize, you know, part of life, I always think, what if we went along and nothing, I don't want to say bad, but nothing, you know, not so great (laughs) happens to us. I think life would be pretty boring, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It would almost be like that movie Groundhog Day. You know, it's like, you know, nothing's happening. (laughs) I don't know. Or the same thing's happening. Or life would be kind of dull. So we've given these challenges. You know, and we think sometimes we think, you know, after my wife died, I thought, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Mm. You know, this is this is horrendous. I'm not going to make it. And yet here I am. And yet here I am teaching people about lightening up, about getting more lightness in their life, about enjoying life more. And it all came out of her passing. And so, you know, we don't know why getting a little serious here, but we we don't know why things happen to us. And sometimes it takes a while to realize why that happened. Yeah. And your whole world suddenly changes and and you realize that you you wouldn't be where you are now if those things hadn't happened. So it's all perspective, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So, you know, that, and they could have things around. I love having photos around that lift me up uh, for those that are watching this photo of my daughter when she was a teenager, the whole time she was growing up, she said, dad, I want a cream pie thrown in my face. (laughs) And she was at camp and she got off the camp bus and there were 40 of her friends from camp around. And I threw a pie in her face (laughs) and you just look at the joy in her face. She just loved it. And I just look at, I have that by my desk here. I just, look at it and I am lifted up. So have things around that remind you to lighten up. I have a picture of my dog when uh, she was a puppy. I mean, look at that. It just, I I just, I kind of get the chills, you know, because I remember how small she was and, and how wonderful. And she still is wonderful. But just have things around that help you lighten up that's great advice and 
I think as well to focus on creating some of those happy happy memories for the future so that you know you're you're always going to have something to look back on is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today oh my goodness (laughs) well first I like you saw that I had a red clown nose I like to have props around because I'm not a good joke teller so people think well humor you know, laughter, you need to tell jokes. I'm a terrible joke teller. And people say, well, you, you teach humor and laughter, don't you go to comedy clubs? And I say, mostly not, few yes, but comedians often use such foul language or put down people. Mm-hmm. And I, I like more positive humor. So I like having props around. Now, uh, I think you know who Dr. Fauci is. So I have my little Dr. Fauci doll. with his mask (laughs) i don't know i just have silly things around i know i'm up there in years but silly things around (laughs) to make me laugh whatever it is a wind-up toy or you know i have a shelf of toys right here that things aren't going well i i take it and play with it for 10 seconds and and it lives me up so have things around as i said things around to to help you lighten up so if you want to talk about other stuff we can talk about my new book the r factor yeah please please do talk a bit more about that book because it's absolutely that is awesome (laughs) well i think one of the things people don't realize is the value of finding on their life and researchers are finding R can do when you see something that awes you, it could do a number of things. They've shown that when they're asking, researchers have shown when you're asking for money, say you're a charity, you're asking for money. If you couple that with pictures of awe on nature, because nature is the number one generator of awe. So if you want more awe, you can go in nature and, and usually you will find it. But if they show pictures of nature, people are more generous. Well, I used to run a charity. I could have done with knowing that then. Yeah, see? Um, They've also found that it could help physically, could help inflammation, that when we see there's our inflammation goes down. I don't know how they research this because I'm not a scientist, but that's fascinating. And the most fascinating, I think the most helpful that I have found that research came out a little over a year ago, and it was asking people to take a walk in nature. And what I loved about this research, it was only 15 minutes a week, and they did it for eight weeks. And they took two groups of people, old, little older, 60, 70, 80, my age, and they took two groups and one group, they said, just take a 15 minute walk once a week for eight, eight different weeks and just note how you're feeling afterwards. The other group, they said, listen, when you go on that walk, look for something that awes or you find wonder, maybe take a photo of it and see, note how you feel while you're watching and afterwards. And those that did not have that prompt They said that when they took the walk, they were thinking about negative things, like things that they had a, uh, they were going on a trip in a couple of days, they had packed, they hadn't gotten the medications they're going to need on the trip, things like that. The other group that saw the awe said they had less negative emotion, more positive emotion, and that they felt 
um, healthier and they felt better all week. And this was just a 15 minute walk once a week. So it wasn't a lot, you know, it was just a little bit of consciously looking for awe. And I think that's people say, well, Alan, you write about awe, it's great. Katie, you listen to it. How do I get more awe in my life? And I think there are three things people can do. One is what we just said, put out your intention that if you wake up in the morning, I'm going to find one thing that awes me today. Or, you know, on my walk, I'm going to look for some wonder that's going to amaze me. And it doesn't have to be something big. And that's the second thing is just look closer. Because often we're on a cell phone, right? We're not looking at other people. We're not looking around. I remember I was in Amsterdam a couple of years ago and it was tulip time. And we went to this gardens that had 7 million bulb plants, mostly tulips. And I was just, every turn of the, on the walkway, I was just, it was inc incredible. It's like I had died and went to heaven. It was just so, so fabulous. And then I realized, you know, uh, here was a red tulip uh, and I looked inside and there was this shapes like light of yellow and black streaks that I hadn't seen from the outside. So my point is, look closer because you see things, anything, you see things, um, you know, that you might not see otherwise and probably something that will awe you. So set your intention, look closer, and then look closer as part of being curious like a child. You know, a child's world is just full of wonder and awe. I was at a cafe with my prior dog who had, was a golden retriever with a big plumy tail. And this little kid came over and the tail was wagging in the breeze. The kid started laughing and it would tickle its nose. And then the <laughs> kid would try to grab the tail and the dog would move away and the kid would run after it. And the kid was hysterical with laughter. And I was amazed just just from a dog's tail. This kid was occupied for 10, 15 minutes with the wonder, looking at the wonder of this dog's tail. So grow down, be less serious, perhaps. <laughs> you know, in Zen, they talk about looking at the world with beginner's eyes. And I thought if, you know, if you could every day look at the world with beginner's eyes, you will see the world, the amazement, uh, you know, of the world. You know, nature is the number one generator of awe, mm -hmm. but there's also man-made awe. Like right now, there is, what, the space shuttle? People up there growing plants, <laughs> um, developing new medicines. I mean, doing, I don't know how, there were 40 people. I don't know how many are up there now, floating around in space. Mm -hmm. Incredible. <laughs> and that's all man-made. I mean, yeah. that's not nature-made, but stuff like that is just, just incredible. Blows my mind when I think of it. Uh, you know, we have a building here in San Francisco called the Salesforce Tower. It's gigantic. I have a note here. It's over a thousand feet tall. And then I was reading about the tallest building in the world. It's in Dubai, and it's over 2,700 feet tall. So I can put two of my Salesforce towers on top of each other, mm. and it's not as tall as that <laughs> building in Dubai. 
how does man do this? It just blows my mind. So man-made awe, uh, nature awe. And then I think there's like human awe. Look, in, look at a baby. What happens when you look at a baby, a baby's face or a baby's eyes? Yeah. Or look in someone's eyes for a, a couple of seconds or minutes. We're incredible, you know? And medicine, you know, coming up with a vaccine for COVID in such a short time. It's like, that's amazing. I have glaucoma and I had a earlier this year, no, last year, I guess it is. Now it's 2022. It was last year. I had a tube put in my eye so the pressure would not build up. I don't even feel it. And the tube is like smaller than a hair, the width of a hair. <laughs> they put it in my eye. It's doing what it's supposed to be doing. And I don't even know it's there. <laughs> yeah, there's so many wonders in this world that we don't appreciate and we don't we don't realize how much the world's changed and it with technology as well, the fact that we can have these conversations across the world with people. I just love yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. It, Zoom or whatever the platform is. Yes, is that not amazing? You can create people, your own show anywhere in the world. And people all over the world can see it. Yeah. You know? Uh computers, you know. I mean, I'm pretty old. <laughs> consider I'm healthy and I thank you thank you but um you know when I was growing up we had a party line so there was on the telephone there was several four people using the same phone and you got different rings to know when it was your call as a kid it was fun to pick it up and listen to other conversations <laughs> but who would have thought that almost everyone would have a cell phone that you could walk on the street and talk to each other or be in a plane <laughs> and talk, you know, on a phone or, or uh, I mean, just just take pictures with the same phone that <laughs> imagine, you know, a landline trying to take a picture with it, uh, <laughs> you know, listen to or see a watch a movie on your phone while you're you know, on the bus, it just blows me away. And so there's all kinds of all around, but we've got to stop and look, listen, look closer, get a beginner's mind. So everything is new and fresh and, and be like a child again. Talking of being like a child again, there was a part of your story that I really loved because it, it reminded me of me. And it was when you said you went to the theater, that was, you, you loved the theater and how you worked in theaters after that. <laughs> The theater. Um, when you was a little boy, you went to see a show. When you were, were you seven? Oh right, yeah. right. Oh yeah, that you know that that's amazing too. Um, and that's part of my. I have a TEDx talk on the power of intention because I do believe that when we put out energy, things come back to us. So, mm. at seven years old, I was taken to see a Broadway show. We lived in New York City, and I was taken to see Oklahoma, and I sat so well through that that two weeks later i was taken to see carousel and we came in late and i refused to leave the theater at the end i thought it was like a movie i could just sit there and i'd see the beginning <laughs> again <laughs> and that wasn't true and my parents dragged me out of the theater but from that day on i wanted to at seven years old i wanted to i knew what i wanted to be i wanted to make be the person who made those pretty stage pictures. And so I used to take a shoebox and I'd make 
little scenes from the book we were reading in school. And I did pursue becoming a scenic designer. I went to growing up in high school, I went to every single Broadway show I could on Saturday, matinee, and just kept pursuing it and got into Yale Drama School, one of the most prestigious design schools in the country for theater design. And it was a three-year master's and I was kicked out after the first year. Basically was told I had no talent. And um, I said to myself, you can't tell me I have no talent. I wanted to be a designer. I was designing in shoeboxes when I was seven, eight years old. You know, I was a designer. I am a designer. And uh, I went back to school. Um, I learned uh, more about, I went, I did five seasons of summer stock uh, as an apprentice sometimes. And I got in the union and uh, my fellow classmates, and I was designing for CBS television shows. I don't know if, if you know some of these, Captain Kangaroo, Merg Griffin, Jackie Gleason. I was designing national shows and my classmates at the time in Yale was, uh, some of them were still in school in their third year doing school productions. So you know, from that, I learned that nobody, nobody could tell me I can't do something. And, and you know, if you want to do something, you get good at it. <laughs> and and you, you people will pay you to do it. I love that story. It's when I was five, I loved musicals. I'd seen them on the TV and I decided I was going to be in them. So as a child, I ended up in lots of school musicals and the leading parts. And then I was seen and I ended up on TV, in radio, in theatre. All of these things just from a childhood passion, which somehow I turned off as an adult. <laughs> like, oh. But it was all there. It was all, well, it's back now because we can do things like this. <laughs> yeah, you, here you are on camera. And the whole, the whole world is going to see you now. Yes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You know, uh, one I'd like to tell a story about awe and my books because I had a series of quotation books, uplifting, motivational quotation books. And it was um, published by a division of Random House, big publisher. Mm -hmm. And then they closed that division. They was cost cutting and closed that division. And so here I had seven or eight books and no publisher. And so I tried for a year and a half and no publisher would take them, even though they sold over 400,000 copies, they didn't want to reprint them. And so I, I believe in the power of intention, as we just talked about. And so I made this little card, which I don't know, it's somewhere around here that says, the perfect publisher will find me power of intention. So I stopped looking, because that wasn't working. And I put that card above my computer. So I saw it a good part of the day. And after three months, I went to, uh, three months later, I went to a uh, meeting where somebody was talking about uh, getting published. And I sat down and there were two women behind me talking to the man next to me. And I heard them say, well, we're with a, a publisher, a very successful publisher, smaller, but very successful. And we're starting a new division and we're looking for uplifting motivational books. And I said, I have seven or eight of these, would you like to see them? And they gave me their card and they said, mail the books to us. And I looked at the card and this was my first moment of awe. 
There were two all moments here. I looked at it and they were six blocks away. Their office was six blocks away from where I lived. So I didn't have to mail them. I took them over the next day and they looked at them and they've since they published four of the books, but they uh, moved to a bigger office because they were getting too big. They had a small office and they had this big party and they invited me, of course. And I come in and this woman comes up to me and she says, you don't know me, but uh, I know you. She said, I'm the publisher of this company and I'm not here a lot. I live in London, um, but I own this company and I'm so glad you're with us. And I've known you for years. And I look at her and I go, I don't know who you are. And this is second moment of awe, she said. I used to live across the street from you, and I saw you walking your dog every single day. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing, you know? <laughs> so people have these interact, like I have a number of stories I could tell, but people, you know, you have this interaction sometimes, you wonder, how did, how did this happen? You know, I'm on top of a mountain in Yosemite Park, and I'm going up a, a path, another person's coming down, he yells over Alan, I don't recognize him again. And I find out he was an apprentice of mine when I was doing summer stock 40 years ago. And there we meet on top of a mountain in Yosemite. Just that moment of connection. People say it's coincidence. No, I think it's, it's not. I've had it's lots more, of these now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I'll share one because it, it, yeah, it, it yeah. is good. I was in love with someone that I was, I was performing in a show for the Edinburgh Festival and he was in another show. I was crazy about him and we couldn't be together by the end of that summer because none of us drove. We lived mile, hundreds of miles away from each other, but we continued to send a Christmas card to each other every year until 2005 when neither of us sent each other a card. And then I started to see this man jogging in my park, in my village. It's just a little oh. village. That's nowhere near where either of us lived then. And I thought, no, it can't be. And then I saw two children in the park that were bright blonde, just like he was when he was little with him. And I said to my daughter, go and find out their names. And then I discovered that it was him. He was, <laughs> he moved to my village years later when we were in out. And we both had stopped sending Christmas cards because it was the, we both ended our first marriage at the same time and oh. married our second partners the same year it's <laughs> crazy but that was all some that that person landed in my village wow you know you bring up something that triggers my mind that i hadn't thought about as an awe moment an awe happening is my wife was from san francisco and i was in new york city and we met because a friend i, I was designing an off-broadway show the sets and there was this woman uh, doing the costumes for the show. And she said, I have a friend coming from San Francisco as a gourmet cook, and we'd like to invite you to dinner. And I thought, oh, that's great. And oh, God, I'm, I'm trying. There's so many aspects to this story. I'm trying <laughs> to keep it short. Anyhow, I'm, I'm going to leave out some parts. So anyhow, I got invited to dinner, and then um, I fell in love with her. She went back to the west coast i was on the east coast we had this long distance relationship and uh we finally did get married and i'm realizing how 
that moment that what if I hadn't done that show or there was a different costume designer or I did that show, you know, a friend came and I was not invited to dinner and I never met that friend who became my wife. Uh, and then my wife dying and me influencing the world through my books and my keynote speeches and workshops. And wow, that's kind of goes way, way back and, mm. and has all of these incredible um, things happening. Oh, God, I can go on <laughs> and on and on. And on. The um, world is filled with awe when you look at it like that, isn't it? There's so many things that you can look at in a, yeah. different, in a different way. Yeah. Alan, it's been lovely speaking to you. Where can our listeners connect with you if they want to come and find you? Well, of course, on the internet, they just have to spell my name right. Alan, A-L-L-E-N, Klein, K-L-E-I-N, or they can email me at alan at alankline.com or any, you know, um, of the big internet bookstores have all my books, Amazon, uh, any of the others, they can see all my books right there. Thank you so much for today, Alan. Thank you. It's been so much fun. I, I, <laughs> as I said at the beginning, do we have four hours? Because I realize I probably have four hours of stories. <laughs> <laughs> you have to come again. <laughs> All right. Love it. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Have a Bye great for day. Now. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Soulful Valley podcast. I trust that you will have heard something today that you were ready to hear and that it's made you feel a little lighter, more aligned and connected with your soul's purpose, and you have been reminded of who you really are and the true nature of the power that you hold within you. My aim for this podcast is to bring love, light, wisdom, raise consciousness and ease suffering. If you've enjoyed the show, go back and listen to some of the back catalogue of previous episodes. Subscribe, follow, rate and review so that you're notified when new episodes drop in and share this podcast with anyone that you think it may help to listen to. You can connect with me at soulfulvalley.com and if you scroll to the bottom of the website, there are links to my social media platforms.